This is the Off the Break Podcast, your podcast dedicated to current movie theater news, operations, and insights from the people that book the movies. Now, here are your hosts, Cody, Kyle, and Ken. All right, Sunday fun day here at Off the Break Podcast. We're welcome, welcoming you into Cinema Day on Sunday. On Sunday. Oh, that's why he says Sunday fun day. Yeah. I was like, but it's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> we don't work on Sundays. <laughs> I do. This guy, Sunday what night. an idiot. <laughs> yeah, moron. <laughs> but okay, I see what you did there. Yeah, National Cinema Day. That got announced uh, this past week. <sighs> Monday morning. Monday for Sunday. That's mm-hmm. just so awesome in marketing. You get Make sure that all your newsletters, everything goes out in mm-hmm. time. That's how they announce Sunday like for, or Monday for Sunday. Well, what's the the biggest thing going in entertainment right now is is Taylor Swift and her Eras tour. Yeah, yeah, her tour. Do you think they announced those like four days before they they announced everything four days before <laughs> the tickets went on sale, or was no. it like years of planning yep. and <laughs> expectations? And then they're like, okay, tickets will come out on this date. Be prepared. Mm-hmm. Two months from now. And then everybody's like on the computers, ready to go, ready to buy tickets. No, no, we'll just tell you four days ahead. So Five National ahead. Cinema Day's potential is the Eras Tour. That's yeah. what you're implying. Well, I mean, it is because there's <laughs> 5,000 theaters in the U.S. Like, there, there is a potential. If you sold out every seat in every theater at $4, yeah. like, the number would be massive. It would be so big that people would freak out. They yeah. would only see things in theaters from now on because last, of how big that number would be. Right. You would only see the Super Bowl in movie theaters. <laughs> last year at $3, it was very big. And a lot of theaters were taken by surprise by the amount of response, you know, of people showing up for these discounted movie tickets at the $3. Even theaters that weren't really participating ended up participating in it. So it is a big deal. And we learned a lot from last year, but apparently we didn't learn marketing timelines. I remember, when to do it. I remember us talking about this last year. After yeah. it ended, we came back together. We were like, that was great. It was a great idea. Everyone, not everyone, but it was a great show out for a lot of locations. Mm-hmm. The one thing that could be changed is maybe push the marketing back a little bit. Back a little. Give us some prep time, especially for the smaller locations. Create enthusiasm. Nope, we're doing it again. <laughs> Run it back. Yeah. I it mean, was successful. No need for change. Change nothing except for the ticket price raise it. I just <laughs> I just feel like well they added some cool graphics and that's what we were waiting on was all their cool graphics. It matters. I just sweet graphics yo. I just think that we just you know it looks amateurish or an afterthought announcing something that happens a week later mm-hmm. like that like by the way everybody I know you might be busy and you may have made weekend plans already but hold your horses here. We're going to have $4 movie ticket day. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, this certainly is going to work. We've seen it work last year. It is going to get interest. It is going to see an influx of people. Um, even for kind of a slower month that was August, we're going to see more people come in for that day, I imagine. But even still, it, it would have been beneficial, I would think. So that way there's more time for the theaters to plan and even time for, I don't know, families to plan as well. Right. They're coming down from vacation. They're doing the back-to-school uh, shopping sprees. They would probably want to have time to plan around to have a calm-down moment so that way they can take their kids to see something. Oh, agreed. And I just think for the theater's perspective, being able to get the word out on your mailing list with your loyalty program, that takes time. And mm-hmm. it 
it takes something like three mentions, three and a half mentions before it sticks in people's brains. So you, I mean, are you going to pepper them every single day this week? I mean, that's, that's your only option. That's what, that's what they have left us with is your only option to do. Sure. And it's, I, I just don't see that working. And I would think you, we, we have a fairly efficient office here with mm-hmm. who we have. Like you mentioned something once, everybody logs it and moves on. But we, we know theater employees are teenagers. They're high yeah. school kids. Like <laughs> you're going to tell them $4 tickets. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, $4 tickets on Friday? Cool. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Sunday. Got it's it. Thursday. Sun- wait, it's, wait. <laughs> it's Sunday. Okay, Sunday. So next Sunday. So it's it's going to be, you know, there's a lot of learning curve to this. And it's going to be a mess on the back end. I did I have, have a feeling with box office reporting and I did have some theaters our holdovers next week are going to be a mess that were upset that it was Sunday because last year it was Saturday and mm-hmm. at first I thought oh Saturday is terrible why would you give up money on a Saturday but it ended up being really big and really good and the concession uh, sales like, way outweighed when your what ticket you bill is yeah, lower it, than your concession bill goes so it should always be a Saturday on a Sunday I think that. Um, what you've done is a lot of, of the smaller theaters aren't even open on Sundays in a lot of places. Oh, so now, okay. so now they don't get to participate. They get, you know, mm-hmm. people ask about it, but they'll ask if they can do it on Saturdays because they're not open on Sunday. And then the theater has to be like, no, it's only on Sunday. And we're not open. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a good look for the theater. So now I've got some little theaters trying to scrounge up late, you a know, way to be open. Yeah. On employees. So they could be open just for this Sunday, at least for a show period, you know, yeah. like a three o'clock or a seven o'clock. So people can do the $4 tickets. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't know if I like the Sunday move now. I wasn't a fan of Saturday, but then after Saturday proved so fruitful. Now I'm like, Oh, why are we changing it? Okay. Yep. No, I'm, I'm still in on the idea. I think it needs to be quarterly or biannually like you have to do it a couple of times i think that takes away from the national year i think that takes away from the idea of a national cinema day Mm, i i think it does but i also think we have a lot of space in february every year we have a lot of space in august and september and october this year for how much we pay attention to the release calendar for 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 benefits and we'll talk about the release calendar later but uh there's a lot of room for this and it can be national cinema day and it could be national concession day and they can figure out a way to make this work yeah make it be two separate things that that work together and the film companies are all on board including mickey mouse and everybody's like in on this which is great which is great we need more cooperation like this that benefits the whole industry and not just shareholders that's a good point so national cinema day i'm talking to you film companies and SAG-AFTRA and <laughs> yeah. Writers Guild. We're mad at you right now. We need to move this all into, you know, one one tide moving all the ships. Yes. <laughs> so it's fighting against each other. It's time. Mm-hmm. We're already starting to lose stuff, which we'll talk about later. I don't want to talk yeah. about it right now. Let's talk about something fun. Kyle, how was Blue Beetle? Fun. It was fun. Yep. On to the next topic. No. <laughs> um, no, I had a really good time. I know lately I've been growing tired of superhero movies and seeing you know kind of the same story on repeat but while blue beetle does have the traditional beats to a story that we would see of like a superhero origin movie i at least was able to find an amount of truthfulness and authenticity to 
the story that I was trying to tell, even though it was, you know, the basic premise of family is what's important, which yes, we all know that we've seen lots of movies that do that, (laughs) but I just think between good direction and the chemistry of the cast, it was, it was able to win me over in terms of telling that message well, while at the same time also making the concept of blue beetle as like a teenager with this alien suit, uh, really fun to watch. And I think it, surprisingly works for almost all ages i mean it does go into a surprising amount of darker quote-unquote territory a bit more violent than i was expecting it to even for a pg rated movie but i think it's kind of warranted and a breath of fresh air because i don't think a lot of superhero movies really do take the time to beat up on their superheroes all that much they kind of (laughs) go away unscathed he... while this one like he really goes through the rainer but it was because we part... just want to do that to teenagers like, <laughs> like do we have any sympathy for him so we're no, like no of course not. nice but... i feel like that's like the john wick thing where like he he was the best at what he did but he also like gets injured along the way like, yeah he, exactly he struggles and you have to see some struggle it can't just be shazam where he gets bullet shot out and like okay cool yeah and he gets to laugh about it along the way (laughs) here yeah exactly i think here it toes the line at doing a really good job of being comedic at being a heartfelt story even if it's like maybe to some people the barest minimum of doing so but again it's just that it had enough charm and enough heart to win me over and it, it made sure to not shy away from letting the hero feel a real sense of danger so so kyle's yeah, best movie of the year blue beetle yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you my, heard it here fo- my uh, con- first folks my concern with warner brothers in dc is that they do not like their the special effects look like have issues like they in have, this movie no or they just have in they have yeah. the last last few that are not justice league yes like they have issues when they're not spending 250 million dollars making a movie mm-hmm. and even when they do they still have some like quirks to them yeah so does this have any of those like glaring issues where you see like someone someone running in the background's going the wrong direction and... <laughs> surprisingly not i think there is one scene where it's you know, it's obviously like a CGI background, so you're like, okay, I can recognize it. But it, it throughout the whole movie, I was very surprised by the mix of practical and special uh, effects, CGI wise, being infused really well. It never looked jarring or ugly or taking you out of the movie. It really feels seamless, which is nice because I don't think I've said that very often throughout this past year. Like you were saying, Ken, with all of these movies that try to use so much money in in order to make it happen in order to make it look good they just have wind up or wound up not looking yeah. good not looking top notch so yeah this one i would say is a thumbs up for me in that category did the cortana voice work for the scarab oh you used the actual word for it um uh, <laughs> uh no i see that i was concerned by that it that wasn't was, it wasn't bad but it didn't i for me when i watched the trailer i was like ooh, this voice doesn't feel like it belongs like and it's a not alien yeah, or like, a, uh, it's not a woman another voice. realm type of voice i guess yeah it's not it's like because the because you know in like the halo video games that cortana voice works so good mm-hmm. so you can't it it's not that it's female it just didn't seem like it was the right tone it was kind of flat for me it just sounds like siri to me yeah and i don't find that very 
interesting on top of like an already great concept. Right. At least um, Iron Man with Jarvis. Jarvis felt like he had personality. Like it felt like a you need person like a, talking sure, to him. Sure. Um, Sandra Bullock and Brad Pitt's here in Bullet Train. You need like somebody, yeah. <laughs> somebody like that. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> that would have been that would have been awesome. Yeah. Zoe Saldana doing her Avatar voice, <laughs> <laughs> which is her voice. Yeah, maybe maybe just give that. I mean, at the very least, over time, have the voice inflections of the Scarab be able to tell like it's growing a personality, but in a good way. Right, like they're bonding. It's- yeah, because the movie does show like over time, it's they're bonding together, but. The voice doesn't. It doesn't quite match that. Right. That but, was my concern from the trailer, but yeah, I don't not know. Not a major that, concern, but I I didn't. I don't particularly know if it takes like away it. from the movie, but I it, wouldn't say so. I think it's gonna work fine. But again, it just sounded more like Siri where it's robotic and less like I don't know, just Yes, it is kind of like a robot thing, but it it needed to add just a spice of personality through the inflections. Right. Either you're going to have dialogue that makes it sound more human. Mm. In which case, which I'm assuming this it does. does. Yeah. So then Moments. you would need the inflections to make it, uh, or you need it purely robotic. Sure. Very like droll and and short clipped and mm. nothing funny mm-hmm. with and it. And that is the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> Good one, Scarab. But <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I wish this movie performed better, but. I think it, it got to number one and it, it beat Barbie, which was it would have been a huge black mark on this movie, a huge black eye if it didn't get to number one. Sure, over, I suppose so. Over week five of Barbie, yeah, <laughs> it would have been like, oh no, <laughs> people really don't want our movies anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. So that was that was a fun watch. Enough blowing Warner Brothers horn about their great Blue Beetle movie. I'm <sighs> I'm done with them after last night's news done with them yep this is i sony sony moves movies because they like to move movies right warner brothers does it to make me feel sad yeah that that and because they since they went day and date with all the post-pandemic movies like it feels like they don't like the film industry sometimes or oh, I, I think I could say that for a lot of these people. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. They just don't. Yeah, I get all of the reasons behind them moving Dune. I get right. I get Dune 2, which no one was clamoring for. I get this whole idea. How dare you? No one was. You weren't actively like, I need Dune 2 in my life. You're like, if it comes around, I'll watch it. No, <laughs> far from it. <laughs> but this this idea that they it's a writer strike and it's this and we can't promote it properly without the actors without, no. without the actors i'm like if you can't promote a movie properly without the actors how is this not a part of the production of a film is creating at no point did anybody go okay we shoot for 90 days and then mm-hmm. after the 90 days we spend a week shooting promotional stuff for this movie while well, everyone's here mm-hmm. yeah how is this not a thing yeah that's we have to wait until they could site. even be in their costumes show shooting promotional stuff i mean there's been a lot of promotional there's tons of examples where you know in costume they have like featurette snippets and yeah they post them like did this not happen for dune it's just, well, just none of these where they're moving movies back. It's this idea that we have to have them live and on a red carpet or on Jimmy Kimmel or oh, in these places. Oh, yeah, that garbage. Like, yeah. that's the thing that sells a movie 
if I see someone on Jimmy Kimmel, I'm like, I have to or, see this movie. Or they can post to so their 200 million social media followers, and that's going to tip the scales of this that's movie. That's the thing. Not Warner Brothers. It's not that Warner Brothers isn't allowed to tag them in a post yeah. and, and promote a movie. Right. And they'd probably be like, yeah, if I'm getting back end on this, promote away. Yeah. As long as it's not coming out of my mouth or my account, yeah. go for it. Yeah, exactly. There's ways around this, and they're just, it's so petty, and I'm over it. That's a good word, petty. I think that's a good way to describe what this release feels like or this release change feels like. Yeah. This is this is a, well, this has this is our big ensemble movie of the year. Right. Like this is the one where they're sticking it to the actors. Yeah, the, you don't come for the sci-fi or the story, you come for the actors on this one. Is what this is what I'm getting from the studio. Like we couldn't possibly there's nothing here to mm. sell without the actors in it. They yeah, don't, they don't have a hundred and fifty million dollar epic film that they've created and put all this <laughs> yeah. money and time and energy behind. I'm like, no, screw it. It is. It is one of the few movies that is a shining example of movie stars mattering when it comes to promotion. But like you guys are saying, the epicness and the scope and the sci-fi and the creativity behind it is also a major selling point, which you can do because it's a visual medium. You can show us how cool the movie looks. You yeah. don't necessarily need the actors. No. Again, helpful, but you don't necessarily need it. No. Not beyond maybe a few cast interviews that you would have shot at the beginning of during production. Yeah. Yeah, Wouldn't yeah, you yeah. have wanted to totally. shoot those when things were fresh? Yeah. And they were in costume and they were on set. And, and they were excited. <laughs> They're covered in act- sand going, this was thinking, awesome. Actually thinking about the film versus like... Yeah two movies later that they've shot in between then and mm-hmm. the actual release. And they're like, oh yeah, I did the, do that movie a oh, couple years do... ago. They yeah. they look tired as they're sitting in front of the lights in front of those people. Right. Tell yeah. us about Dune 2. Oh yeah, the movie I shot two years ago that's coming yeah. out when again? Right, next month. Okay, yeah, yeah it was fun. Timberly Shamalama Ding Dong has two movies coming out <laughs> in two, or had two movies coming out in two months. And he's probably got three movies that he filmed in between these. Yeah. Or after these. So it's like, right. he has no idea. He probably shot another love story cannibal movie again. It was weird watching Blue Beetle and seeing back-to-back trailers involving Chalamet. For some reason, it was just, it was Dune 2, which is, you know, serious, mm-hmm. intense. He's right there at center uh, on the screen. And then the next trailer, Wonka, the feel-good <laughs> family movie. And he's skipping around and singing. <laughs> I, I don't know. For some reason, just seeing them back-to-back, I was like, oh, yeah, it, it is weird how... Many movies he's now. All, in, I guess. all I see is Tim Burton when they put him on screen. I just see, <laughs> I just see a, a young boy Tim Burton, yeah. full yeah. of dreams and yeah. whimsy. Yeah, <laughs> I just see Tim Burton before him. he got so weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see that too. It's the hair. It's the hair, it's but it's just the the, this whole thing. Like, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna turn this industry around. Like, who is clamoring for this guy? Like, who's on his side? I get he's, I'm on his side. He's crazy handsome for these young people. Ah, that but, part I don't get. But I don't yeah. get it. I don't I don't <laughs> understand. He's he's fine. He's not we have He's not a real uggo. As we've coined <laughs> yeah. on this podcast many I times. I don't know. He looks like he's twelve. I know. <laughs> he's twelve running around out there. Yeah. I'm I don't see the appeal, but <laughs> yeah. I have an old lady and a mom now. Yeah, exactly. So we're getting old now. This, So we're allowed to complain about this stuff. I don't think I'm the target audience for him. Anyway, so I think we're getting off track once nope. again about Chalamet. So Dune 2, it is getting pushed back. I don't know if we said the date yet. March 15th, 2024. 
Yeah. Um, Which is again, making March one of the biggest marches of all time now. <laughs> Practically, yeah. Uh, yeah. As of right now, there's A Quiet Place, which is going to be scheduled before that, and Ghostbusters, which is following that. Then again, that's Sony. Who knows? I don't think that Ghostbusters is so going to work. Take that with a grain of salt. I've Understandably not seen so. One thing about this movie, I've not seen what the story is. I've not seen who the cast is. I've not even seen title art on it. Mm-hmm. It's just Ghostbusters. I have no idea what this means. Original, There's an idea. Original yeah. Ghostbusters was a um, summer movie. The first one was released in the summer. Nah. And it's a... Nobody watches Ghostbusters in the summer. It's a fall, October movie. Yeah. October, November, that's when this. That's when the Afterlife number one came out, was November. And it was a huge success. Like, put the movie where it needs to go. Mm. <laughs> was the horrible lady turn at Ghostbusters a summer one? Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, June so. or July, something Ugh. like that. They had to. They had to put it there because they're like... We gotta do something. Gotta do something. This has this to work. This is a ton of money. <laughs> uh, do we have anything more to say about Dune itself? Do we think Warner Bros. will push anything else back or um, any of the other studios? Warner Brothers can go drown in their water tower. I mean, for today, anyway. For today, I think. I think <laughs> we'll give it another month and see. You know, it just depends on how the strike goes. It's not just affecting actors and marketing. Like, like that's the reason we're getting now for Dune is that their actors couldn't market it. But it also is affecting um, special effects houses, other things like, uh, um, what is it? Spider-Verse Part 2. The animators. The, yeah. yeah. They, they are, you know, it was pushed back because they were so behind with an- the animation. And now they're catching up with that, but now they don't have the actors to do the voice acting for the new animation they've just created for it. So now it's going to get pushed back even farther. It Right now it's undated, but you know it's going to be later in 24. If Probably, they do have a date, yeah. I would, I would hope for like Christmas, but they had it in March and it got undated. So I'm hoping just for a 24 on that, but it's probably going to be a 25 for that film. There's, yep. There is so much influx right now. And like you said, it affects everyone. It's it's craft services. It's receptionists. It's everybody oh, public- in this industry. Publicists don't have it. Well, publicists are the devil. I, Forget the publicists. I'm just saying there's... <laughs> I'm talking about good people that like, I don't know, run theaters. That yeah. The people that sell concessions, deliver concessions. It's basically our bubble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on our side is one, but if yeah. even in... There's a, there's a whole industry in LA around supporting the making of these films and those people aren't working and I don't know what it's uh, like to live in LA with those expenses but I know our theaters are struggling in their small towns mm-hmm. in their places yeah. let alone in LA where a bottle of water is $18 yeah yeah it's it, it's affecting everything for sure uh, time to time to put this to bed make some decisions and and move on yeah. Kick the can down the road. Seven years from now, we'll all be dead because of the rising levels. Take and your explodes and Yeah. You know, all of these other things. Well, just it's interesting. On. Uh, one of the, <laughs> the sticking points in all of this is obviously the role of artificial intelligence in creating oh, scripts God. and creating um, t- like taglines and all that, all the, that stuff that goes into the creative process. Mm-hmm. And chat G. GPT, yeah. GPT. We've yeah. seen the trailer. John David Washington saves us from AI. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but now you know. Part of the writers' fear is that the studios will go to just scripts created by AI. Mm-hmm. 
but those scripts are not copyrightable. You can't have non-human like work be copyrightable basically. So, so you have to have human, a human element or component in it. The human has to conceptualize it. The human has to put some of their effort into it. And so they can never completely eliminate writers from, from the room. Um, when it comes to script writing in AI, but it can like severely limit how many writers are in the room. And I think that that's where the sticking point is. It'll only take one writer to read, you know, to touch up a script, to, to change it, to take ownership of it. And then it's copyrightable, but that, that writer didn't create the base layer of all of the writing Mm -hmm. that, and so you don't need a writer's room of five to 10 people pitching ideas. The AI will pitch the ideas and you can have a single writer in there being like, that's good. That's good. Or even a producer. And then they, somebody, you know, touches up the editing so that all the funky kind of language just gets taken out. It sounds good. Boom. It's just this churn trying to add technology into it, but to keep it, you know, exploitable by the studios they have to be able to copyright it they have to be able to protect it and to do that you still have to have a human involved but i think this this is signals the change in technology where you lose jobs you lose the amount of jobs and things become more efficient because of the technology but you're not going to have those huge writer rooms anymore that you that you used to have so I'm sure the guilds are looking at that going, how do we preserve as many of these writer positions as we Mm. can when it comes to this? I think they just send like half the writers to go work for UPS and make everybody's life easier. (laughs) (laughs) I think like you, how many times, how many times have you, have you written five? Okay. Well, someone over here has written 500. So he gets to stay and you can drive the Brown truck in the shorts in the summer. (laughs) Well, I feel like that's kind of what's happening already. There are, there are lots of writers, but only a handful of writers that actually make money off their work. And oh, definitely. A lot of them have, you know, part-time jobs, like maybe delivery-related things or, <laughs> or the food uh, industry. Yeah. And I don't think the guild is ever going to be able to negotiate uh, full-time work, you know, careers for all of these people. There's only so many career positions. Mm that you're going to be able to have. You can't legislate it into, you know, whole in- industry of positions. So I think that's an expectation that needs on the one end that needs to be, you know, handled. But if it's important to you as a creator, then you can spend your budget on a show, hiring writers and giving them right insurance and full-time salaries and doing those things. If That's important to you. But it probably isn't important to a lot of these places. No, no. So there's a, there's a reality of that in there that, and, and it's turns on a philosophical question of how much of my work, my creative work, do I own when I am creating a work for somebody else, for Mm, a company, for something, when I have been engaged to create this work, I was never going to create it on my own. When I've been engaged to create this work on behalf of somebody else who has ownership of that, because that's really that's, I think, the timeline question that comes into things. So when you have a TV show and you you are not taking on any of the risk, you're just being hired to write the show, if it becomes a behemoth, is that your success or is that 
the production yeah the production company right. success for putting all the correct pieces together to create something i mean does it turn just on your writing or your acting and should you get you should you may you know have ownership in that work into perpetuity i don't know if you should have ownership in that work into perpetuity i think that's a that's something you take on when you take a job cuz you're taking the job and creating the work on behalf of them you've not toiled away in some like office somewhere and not and come up with this brilliant idea all on your own and if you have then yes you should have ownership through the whole life of that work but if you've been engaged to start the process by somebody else then i think you know they should probably have or have more significant ownership down the line but then that's why the compensation aspect comes in to where they're but, receiving but their money. justification for compensation is that they it's their creative ownership that has they they want a piece of it they want some of that that their creativity has lived on is it is it that or is it that they want to know um how how many eyes are on it to warrant how much they do get paid well that's what i'm saying like i make a show and maybe it's mm-hmm. only it's only so good maybe yeah. i wrote a script for a season of a show and it's only so good mm. and then but maybe i was ahead of my time and then a couple of years later it blows up on streaming and it ends up being really big well the time has elapsed and now i don't get any of that success but it was so what they're saying is but it was my writing my i it's because of me that there is success down the road. But I wonder if that's really true. Is it because of you or your writing or is it because that the production company had the foresight to keep it on streaming or to keep it available to people or to maybe figured out a new way to remarket it and repurpose it. And then it became something new. Mm, Okay. The Tiger King paradox was Tiger King popular because it was good (laughs) or because it was just timed and it was lucky. Right. And will Tiger King make a comeback? And then does anybody involved in that deserve to have it? Because <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not saying they're just easy answers. It, this is a big. This is a big question. These like are, you said, philosophical. Yeah, debate about ownership of creative works and how mm-hmm. long do you get to retain a piece of that ownership and and retain the success of that? Well, I'm done debating because as goes Los Angeles, the perception of Los Angeles and these films not being able to be successful because of the strike right it's it's gotten to the point where we're we're losing things out of 2023 that we needed there we do we need to create the momentum otherwise they're not going to have an industry here to create for to strike from yeah (laughs) (laughs) be striking from you know the talcum powder mines of old (laughs) eventually the ai will just take over everything then We'll all try to strike against the AI, but it won't. That's what it's going to be. Seven years from now, we'll live in the Terminator. Perfect. Thank you, Kyle. That's much better. Yep. That's where we're headed. (laughs) Yep. So thanks for that. (laughs) That's that's that's, It it was going to happen whether or not they strike or not. No, the AI would have found its way (laughs) through something. Oh, we're worried about the AI that writes television and movies. Yes. That's what we're worried about, not the AI that controls missile silos and food cha- food supply chains. I just, I don't know. <laughs> movies are so much fun. I'd rather it not be in the movie industry. I, I'd rather it not be in the movie industry. Not food industry either. Like, but <laughs> Too late. There's, one. <laughs> there is one teeny niche that I think AI could be really fun, and that's when they write the dialogue for reality TV. 
garbage reality TV mm. shows because it's already garbage and these yeah. people are crazy anyways. Just- it's. <laughs> I think there could be some fun flavor with a random AI generated scripting going on there. It's a soap opera show <laughs> on Futurama. Yeah. That's what you're asking for. I, am. I just want it in reality TV where it belongs in like, <laughs> Crazyville. Garbage Crazyville. I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> White flashes from green to red. Love interest A spits in love interest B's face. Yeah. <laughs> Camera that's, focuses on Spitwad. That's that's how they write it anyway. Yeah, that one I could see. They mm. let let the AI do its thing there. Probably already is. Probably already is. All right. Uh, do we have anything else that we want to add on for today's episode? Uh, other than tell everyone have a great weekend. Gran Turismo's playing. National mm. Cinema Day. Hoorah! We've got Retribution this weekend. Yeah, don't forget Liam Neeson. Sorry, how <laughs> yeah. could I? Yeah, don't forget him as he finishes seventh in the box office this weekend. <laughs> yeah, with the new release, it's just <sighs> he. It, this one has everything. He's in a car. He's talking on the phone. He threatens someone. It's it's like we're in '99 all over again. What went wrong? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's take, wrong with that? <laughs> Taken seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Oh, all right. Well, have a great weekend. Happy Cinema National Cinema Day to everybody. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Off the Break Podcast. Find us on all podcast platforms or at ScreenInsider.co. And be sure to like and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages at Off the Break Podcast.